0: Hey, this is Dan Janotz, and you're listening to the FSF Podcast.
1: The show that convinced the producers of the book of Boba Fett that all the speeder chase scenes should be slowed down, and that the audience would really appreciate them way more that way.
2: Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 187. He'll know that when he puts on the Red Shirt and joins the crew of the Enterprise in their struggle against a Gorn infestation, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his mustache. Well, hey, our guest today is an amazing
1: actor whose work you've seen in shows like The Bold Type, Good Witch, Rain. You've heard his voice on games like Assassin's Creed Unity as Arno Dorian and some other games as well. But we uh, are sure that you may very well know him best for his work on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That's where I got to know him and was excited. I was like, oh, my God, we're, we're good to talk with Dan. Um, as George Samuel Kirk or Sam Kirk. As he's known on the show, the brother of you know that other Kirk guy, the not as cool one. But anyway, we are so we are so proud to welcome Dan Janot to the FSF podcast. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We hope that continues.
1: We're, we're at the, you know, we have to decide, are we on the the climb of the roller coaster or are we on the way down where everybody's like, well, I'm glad that's over with. So we'll see. You never know with us. You never know. <laughs> I feel like we're still climbing. We're still climbing. We haven't. Oh, good. That's good. Maybe we could oh. try to underline the point where we do peak, you know, and then... <laughs> We'll put a pin in that, that spot and go, okay, that's that's what we don't want to repeat. There we go.
2: We do always have this tendency too, though, that we start going up and, and climbing the peak and then somehow we just lose the rails and away we go.
1: <laughs> Sounds so- fun to you. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you have get a couple of people with ADHD and you give them microphones. It just happens. So, all right, Dan, uh, one of the things we love to do is talk with our guests. It's kind of become a staple of the show. We like to talk with our guests about their backgrounds, how they got started, how they became the, the person that they are sitting across the virtual table from us. So um, in the story of Dan Janot, what influenced you at an early age to get you started in the entertainment business? And what keeps you going now? How'd you get from there to here? Great question. You want to hear my origin story? Um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I, I think I can, I can kind of trace it back if we go way back. I was, I've always been, I've always been interested in stories. I've always been a big reader from a pretty a young age. Um, and I think uh, from a, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit precocious. I was writing stories from a young age too, I was dictating them to my mom at first and then, uh, and then writing my own. And I grew up kind of immersed in books, um, Books were really my my thing, and I thought once I got past the kid career ambitions of being, you know, an astronaut or being a fire truck or whatever. Um, I I think I thought to myself, if there was a job that I was going to have, maybe I'd be an offer. Um, and then I kind of carried that with me for a while, but then <laughs> as a teenager, I got really into film. I hadn't done any acting or anything, but uh, I, I got really into film. Uh, and my my sort of fit thought process of how could I be a storyteller? What you know, it kind of shifted to maybe I could make movies. Um, and then when I was in college, uh, I I made uh, I made a great friend. Um, my story really is a story about Matt Goldberg, and he uh, we were studying the same thing, which was liberal arts, you know, religion and philosophy and history and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me. He was putting together an improv troupe at our college and he thought uh that i should try out for it and around the same time he was also doing a play with the theater department at our college i didn't even know there was a theater department at the college and so he invited me to do these two things try out for his improv troupe and to come and see him in this show i can't really remember which one came first now but they they've melded together in my mind basically um I went to see him in this play, a musical called Pippin, and it was all kids my age doing this show that had like a pretty good production value, you know, for a for a college. And it blew my mind that kids my age were up there singing and telling this weird, absurd meta story. It's about like actors putting on a show Um, but they're being run out of town and the show is about like Charlemagne and the Holy Roman Empire Mm -hmm. or something. It's kind of, I don't even really remember it all. What I do remember is this, my friend, Matt Goldberg, he had a bit (laughs) where there was like, it's a silly show. There's like a pile of bodies on stage after some huge battle. And the main character goes over to the pile of bodies and like lifts up a severed head. And the severed head was Matt Goldberg and he spoke, he like says a joke and then the guy like puts him down, you know, it was like stage magic or whatever. But I'm like, that's amazing. He's on stage getting laughs as a severed head. I wanna do that, I wanna do that. And so uh, I also auditioned for his improv troupe. I got in, the first time I performed improv in front of an audience, the first time I performed improv really at all there's like 200 people at this improv competition and i went out on stage the same stage he had been on in pippin and um i just remember saying something making something up getting a big reaction and i was just hooked you know the idea that something could come out of my mind through my being and connect with people and get a laugh and get um, you know yeah just connect with people it felt thrilling and so those kind of those two things together made me um, switch the program I was in I switched into creative arts I started doing theater and um, and it kind of all you know snowballed from there and started doing improv and my friend Matt and I he's still a dear friend of mine 20 years later I was just talking to him on the phone earlier today Uh, we've done sketch comedy and improv together for a very long time and I think you know to the second part of your question what keeps me going is um, you know you're always getting a chance well hopefully ideally you're always getting a chance in this field to um, discover something new to explore some new facet of yourself or of the world um depending on the kind of stories you're telling you get different emotions to work with different scenarios different kind of social issues uh you should be able to kind of always be bringing something new to it and getting something new out of it it's not a static job you know it's changing Mm -hmm. and and it's um yeah and it's it's exciting i feel very very lucky that i kind of stumbled into some amount of uh You know consistency or success in my life, and um, yes, very lucky.
1: I think it's interesting the number of people that we've talked to, who who have, when sharing their origin story, have something very similar to what you talk about. You know, that that first reaction that it just kind of hits them, and then it's, you know, some have have likened it to almost like a, a an endorphin high, just. like in in that you want more and then you you have to kind of keep chasing it and uh somebody somebody i don't remember who it was but one of our other guests said it was the best addiction they could have ever had Mm -hmm. and you know that they wanted to keep chasing that feeling because that was what then then they found out they could make money doing it as well and they're like well this is the perfect thing i got to do this so
2: yeah yeah. the best
0: i know it's it's so exciting and i and i really I think you could think of it as something a little bit uh, egocentric. You're like, I am, I'm being watched. I'm being listened to. People are laughing uh, or responding to me. But also I really do think of it as a kind of massive social and emotional connection. Mm -hmm. You're like getting that, the, you know, the buzz you might get from a good conversation in a way, but it's like multiplied by however many people are in the audience, you know? It's, it's really something special. And uh, yeah, and I started doing live stuff, theater and and improv, and it was a long, long time until I made any kind of money off of it. For a while, it was just the thing I did because I loved doing it. And it was so fun. And because it was the only thing that I had found that I was good at. I didn't really (laughs) have any other, uh, you know, marketable skills. I had no other path to take, um, which I think is probably a good thing in the end, because It is a difficult job. And if you do have a backup plan, you'll probably, you know, use that plan at some point. Sure. (laughs) Pull the escape
1: cord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That is one of the things though that I love about live theater is the give and take with the audience being on either side of it. I mean, I was in school productions. I was in choir. I was in, I had dance recitals. There is that give and take both directions. And it is so thrilling and so much fun. And talking about live theater, this is actually kind of fun for me, because in my research for the interview, I found out that you met your wife in a production of As You Like It, Yeah. which, Tim, that's Shakespeare, in case you didn't know that, because you don't, you know, read books. Anyway, <laughs> so was it one of those situations where you were cast as Orlando, and she was Rosalind making, a, like, a relationship on multiple levels, or was it, how exactly uh, did that happen? Because my parents met doing theater, too, and I, I just, I love that yeah. story.
0: Oh, that's yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, well, uh, pretty much. We weren't Orlando and Rosalind. We were uh, there. We were Oliver and Celia. Oh. So uh, not the main characters, but uh, we were two characters who do fall in love in the show. And it's one of those Shakespeare things where like, we, we were only supporting characters. So we we fall in love in the course of one scene where there's other things going on, you know, like exposition happening, but we're <laughs> meant to kind of also the audience is meant to believe based on that we just fell in love and then that play ends with I think four different couples getting married it's like a a mass wedding at the end so yeah we yes we we met doing this show we we had kind of um been aware of each other before because we both went to the same school but we never met we had friends in common but we never actually kind of came face to face which was in retrospect, magical. I think because it, it happened at the right time. I guess, <laughs> and um, we, yeah, we we did this show, and at the end of the sh- at the end of the play, we were getting married. And um, although we didn't get into a relationship at that time, um, the uh, the 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 flame was lit. And um, eventually, years later, when we uh, did get married, we actually asked the director of that play who had cast us together to be our officiant at our wedding. Oh, oh that's cool. I
2: love that.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. so that's very cool. Oh my
2: goodness.
0: Yeah, it just felt right, you know. He was we yeah. always um always called him our Cupid. Shout out to Joel Fishbane. Thanks Cupid. Yeah. Um and oh, cool. he was it was lovely. He is a writer and director and performer himself, so we knew he'd be good at uh you know, running the show at our wedding.
1: Yeah. All right, Dan. I am a new resident of the Trekverse. So for years, I have done all that I could to stay away from anything Star Trek related. I, uh, uh, I had sorry. a um, yeah, I may or may not have liked uh, your fictional brother very much. And so I uh, may have avoided some of
0: I want to yeah. hear more about this, Tim. I want you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you had some early experience watching like the original series
1: and and you got so you were sort of rubbed the wrong way i just never i just never liked uh it was more i didn't have a problem with kirk per se i never liked william shatner and so i was just like yeah i why sit down and watch more of that when i don't like that guy he's the main he's the main dude in the show i'm gonna see him every episode there's not going to be an episode without him mm-hmm. and so i was like anyway um there but there were some things in star trek like i love absolutely love the wrath of khan always have. i always thought that was such a cool movie uh one of the greatest uh you know evil bad guy revenge t- attempt movies and i just love it and uh but yeah but i never really got into trek itself so it when like next generation came out i didn't watch it you know enterprise ds9 all that stuff ignored it all uh i was firmly
2: don't forget voyager
1: yeah, I didn't want to watch Voyager or never you know, forget whatever. Voyager. Uh I was firmly in the Star Wars camp. And I was just like, Yeah, Star Trek sucks. I'm not watching that. But for whatever reason, I sat down and I decided that I should just watch Strange New Worlds. And Wait for you, I, see change I, is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched I watched the first episode of Strange New Worlds and I was like, well, this ain't so bad. And so I watched the second one and then I watched the third one and I found myself really, really enjoying the story and getting involved with it. And so then I went back and I watched the rest of TOS and now I'm in next generation and cool, I can't say that I watched the rest of TOS. I got to a point in TOS where I was like, yeah, and I've had my fill of Shatner. We're going to move to next generation now. So,
2: (laughs) But Shatner is so much fun
1: actually you know what i like him better in the movies than i do the tv series because there's a difference in in how he portrays kirk in both mm-hmm. of those so i i prefer boston legal yeah i prefer him i prefer him in in I, I prefer prefer movie kirk over tv show kirk anyway that's a whole other thing but so my question out of all of that rambling is were you a fan of Star Trek before getting the role of Sam Kirk? And if so, what was your entry point into the Nerdiverse?
0: Yeah, um, I, uh, I watched Next Generation. Next Generation was my jam. Um, I, I think I would say I had a similar feeling to you um, when it came to the original series. Uh, th- there was something about Kirk slash Shatner I can't really say, I can't, I can't separate them, you know? Like mm-hmm. was right. definitely uh, s- something about him was not my jam. Um, but mm-hmm. that was also because I first started watching Next Generation where they, you know, uh, they very deliberately had a captain who was quite different than Kirk. Oh sure, yeah. Um, Picard was my captain. And then I see um, the original series. And of course I'm just a kid. And so uh, I'm very much, you know, I'm a kid of the eighties and I'm watching shows mm-hmm. made in the eighties. And then I watch this thing made in the sixties and I'm like, it looks weird, mm-hmm. they, they're all talking weird. <laughs> and this guy compared to Picard, Kirk, uh, you know, is, well, he's just very different. I'm not going to speak ill of him, but he's very different. understood. Understood. And uh, Next Generation was my jam. I never would have called myself a Trekkie to be fair, but I watched Next Generation um, pretty often at home. And then over the years watched a fair amount of Voyager and some some Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But uh, Next Generation, I think definitely, um, in, in retrospect, it was kind of formative for me, because it was a show that showed me as a kid, you could have stuff that was both fun and um um that was both entertaining and thoughtful, mm-hmm. I guess, a good way to put it. And in now, like, that's exactly the kind of thing I want to do. I want to do stuff that is entertaining, but that also provokes thought, that is thought out, that has, whether it's subtle or overt, has a kind of idea that's being put forward Mm -hmm. and that's what speculative fiction does it can give us all these wonderful ideas interesting um ideas wrapped up in spectacle or uh, Mm um playfulness or weirdness or whatever you know and uh yeah i just thought next generation was was yeah it was kind of a gate it was a gateway for me uh into the trek world but also into this kind of idea that entertainment and TV could, could, could kind of do two things at once, I guess, you know? Um, And I was a kid watching a show that was for adults, but, but uh, you know, accessible to kids Mm -hmm. at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think the ideas and the concepts of TOS were accessible to anybody who was willing to sit down and watch it. I think you just had to kind of wrap your mind around some of the, The ideas that were going to be presented in it. And that's one of the things that even though I didn't like TOS to begin with, one of the things I did appreciate about it is that there were many times where I would stop watching an episode and I would, it would force me to think, it would force me to think about, well, if that was reality today, what would be my reaction to that scenario Uh, and, and things along those lines. So that's one of the things I do like about the difference of between star wars and star trek is that you know uh star trek is more hopeful it's more methodical in its actions and and with the speculative fiction and you know star wars has got the pew pews and the laser swords and things go boom more uh so there is that <laughs> yeah
0: well I'm yeah and because, yeah and i guess because it's moved because it's films it's broader themes whereas the episodes of star trek can be uh can have these self-contained ideas. Like more ground is covered, I guess, in mm-hmm. all of the episodes of Star Trek, um, even if they might be of you know varying degrees of quality. Uh, there's a lot of ideas covered, and then the movies, yeah. uh, you know, the Star Wars movies, great spectacle, but it's a bit more black and white, good versus evil, right? Yeah. Oh, greed. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely greed. It
2: is funny though how much more story you can tell in a half-hour TV show than you can in a two hour movie sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, especially over the course of a season, you got the continuation of character uh development. Right. Yeah, and I mean roles you can have character arcs,
2: but even I mean, even like one shot episodes, sometimes there's more plot to a half hour, 45 minute TV show than there is a two hour movie.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> a Skywalker. Anyway,
2: um I wasn't gonna <laughs> <to> say it. It's <laughs> just gonna strongly imply it.
1: let me ask you a quick follow-up to that so we know what your entry point is now with TNG and all that so what does it mean personally to you for you to have a a namespace inside of the Star Trek universe
0: it's so that's so weird it's still so weird to me surreal like even as we were talking about it and I was thinking about Next Generation the shows I watched I was remembering playing Next Generation with my friends in the backyard Mm -hmm. Still wasn't, I actually wasn't connecting that to my life now, where I have a role in in this world. It's it's bizarre to me, you know? It's surreal. Um I, I it's just uh it's so it's so I'm so humbled and honored that I get to be a small part of this this beautiful sci-fi world that so many people have embraced over the years it is such a beloved um property you know such a beloved world it's one of these very rare things where we were before strange new worlds premiered we all had a level of confidence let's say that the show was gonna do well enough that and that kind of confidence is unheard of with any other show that's premiering because we were piggybacking on the success of of decades worth of of great star trek um so yes i feel very <laughs> yeah still kind of giddy to be a part of it and 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 just um kind of I don't know. I I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to play um, a part like this that that comes with like a ready made fan base, you know, Um, I, I'm glad that I'm playing a character who's um, connected to the world, but but I'm not uh, repeating, uh, I'm not uh, taking on a character who's already been played, other than that beautiful shot of Shatner lying dead on the ground. Um,
1: (laughs) With the, with the, the mustache.
0: The mustache. I I'm glad that I get to be kind of just a, a, originating the role in a, in a certain way. There's less pressure on me than there is on Ethan or Celia or and it, like yeah. so many people playing the you know legacy characters. Um, I get to just have fun in a world uh, that is so rich and in a, in a genre that is itself just inherently fun like we get to dress up walk around a space station i mean a spaceship not a station uh we we walk around a spaceship we have you know future weapons we meet aliens that's like my work that's that's me going to work uh, you know it, it's it's wild yeah it's wild i
1: can only imagine sure so much
2: fun yeah so out of all of your roles on IMDb, other than obviously Star Trek, the one that jumped out to me was your performance as um, Arno Dorian in Assassin's Creed Unity, who also then appears in Assassin's Creed Rogue as well. And you did more than just the voiceover for that role. If I'm under- if I understand correctly, you also did the motion capture for the character.
0: Yeah, right. yeah.
2: So outside of that character role, are you a gamer at all? And if so, do you have a favorite gamer series?
0: I. Can't lie, I'm not a gamer. Um, Yeah, I um, I've never even played Assassin's Creed. (laughs) I have watched someone play it, play me, play the player character who I voiced. Um, That was strange, but uh, (laughs) I had had a period of of gaming when I was younger. When I was when I was young. I I played computer games and I was all about the, um, the Sierra RPGs like King's quest and space quest, those games Mm -hmm. Um, all about that and, um, and civilization. Um, And you know, that was, yeah, as a, as a teenager, I was in that, into that heavily, but I didn't ever have a console at home. Mm -hmm. And then I got a console uh, in one of my, I think the first apartment I lived in and a friend of mine he and I we um got into Grand Theft Auto when it was um oh yeah Vice City. And uh and I got obsessed with that game for a little while. I remember to the point where I was dreaming about it, but not even <laughs> dreaming like I was living in the game. I was dreaming that I was sitting in front of the TV playing the game. Wow. Oh, oh and interesting. I, I woke up one day from one of those, and I walked into the living room where my buddy was, and I was like, "We're not playing this game anymore." <laughs> Taking over my brain, and uh, and so I kind of like quit cold turkey. I think so. Yeah, didn't really uh, after that. Didn't really um, pursue gaming, I guess. Uh, but it was so much fun to do the motion capture for Assassin's Creed. Like one of the coolest jobs I've ever had for sure. Because it's kind of a mix of theater um, in terms of the performance of it. Uh, okay. and like the, the day work, it was kind of like a mix of theater and TV because we were in this big warehouse, you know with a million cameras set up all around. Mm-hmm. We're wearing our mocap suits. Um, you know, we got the dots on our faces, uh, and there's cameras set up and cameras like handheld cameras being moved around all around us. And we were just free to kind of like move through the space and, and invent what we're seeing, you know, and that was super, super fun. Um, and you know, I didn't get to do the like badass parkour stuff. They got actual like stunt people to do that stuff, but you know, I did get to do in the cutscene stuff, some kind of more physical um, sword play and, and and stuff. And that was just so much fun to do. And I, I did that in Montreal where I'm from. Ubisoft has a big office there. And so mm-hmm. the people I was working with were almost all friends of mine or people that I'd worked with uh, in the theater community over the years. Um, Catherine Berube, who played uh Elise in that uh we had done theater together before and now we're doing this funny motion capture dots on our face romantic scenes with cameras stuck to our heads um it was all it was great fun and I'm I'm kind of I'm I I want to do more of that work even though I don't play the games myself I want to do more of that work.
2: right I mean it sounds like fun it just it just sounds like a fun day
0: Totally. Totally. And there's a lot less like downtime and waiting than there is on a TV or film set because there's no lighting that needs to get done. There's no right. real sets that need to get set up. It sure. was a lot more active and you're physical, obviously, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, I still remember like the, the pose I had to take because, you know, it'd be like, I guess it was one of those games where the cutscenes um, meld into the action, mm-hmm. you know? and then and come out of the act like we'd have to finish our cutscene and i'd have to take this stance where one foot is slightly in front of the other and i'm kind of like slightly uh not bouncing but just like in this position you know
2: the player ready (laughs) position the ready
1: yep (laughs) there you go that's awesome
2: Uh, i feel like uh, they do that in most of the assassins games though like there is that that weird flow and you kind of yeah Takes you come out of the cutscene. Yeah. wait a second this is no so longer me, a cutscene.
1: So yeah yeah you come out of the cutscene, and then and then, then you're looking at the back of the player you know as, as they're ready for you to move and they, they start bouncing around so you know that they're controllable now all right so dan i was talking with uh a common friend jesse uh one of our good friends over at open pike night oh yes and and uh he had all uh, nice good things to say about you of course but all he would really say is that other Abe than the fact fe- well. there you go. Uh yeah, uh, other than to say that you were a great interview, all y'all the only other thing he would say was ask about the dog. So um <laughs> Kathleen and I uh lo- we love animals on this show, Nick as well. Um and he's not, not here as today. much as us. But not as much, we'll, we'll claim we have more love for animals. Uh, I have two dogs I have a pit bull named Mia and a, and a corgi named Toast, and uh, Kathleen also has a, another, uh, she has a pit bull mix, her name is, is Zoe, and um, uh, so yeah, we love animals on our show. So the question is, Dan, <laughs> um, I'm asking about the dog. Tell
2: us about the dog, <laughs> what's up, with the
1: dog? uh, yeah, well, I have a dog, uh,
0: he's not here uh in this room with me but he's a um a poodle shih tzu mix and we adopted him a couple years ago he was two or three when we adopted him and when we got him his previous family had named him charlie and i knew as soon as we decided to adopt him i was like well we can't let his name be charlie charlie is my dad's name
2: i'm okay. not
0: have a dog uh who shares a name with my dad but we thought should it be a name that sounds like Charlie so that he recognizes it? And right away, I was just like, oh, barley. That's a cute name for a dog. He's kind of the color of barley, of wheat, you know. Um, and so we uh, we call him barley. Our dog is barley. And uh, what I was talking to Jesse and the open Pike crew about was how since we have uh, have adopted him, I swear to God, every second dog that i meet is named charlie it's (laughs) without it i was honestly sure that one of you was gonna have a dog named charlie that's Um, my brother's name (laughs) well there you go that's why you don't have a dog that's why
2: i don't have a dog named charlie
0: (laughs) yeah but it's crazy to me like somehow i don't know if it's just like you know where i live in ontario or something but Mm -hmm. like everybody has named their dog charlie it's ridiculous it started to feel a little bit like truman show or like a prank (laughs) you know a prank show where i'm a hidden camera thing like here's another charlie like i've called it i've i've I've, i'll meet somebody and i'll be like oh what's your dog's name and in my mind i'm like it's charlie and then they're like charlie yeah yeah mm -hmm, right
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) so um now that now that i've told you about it i bet you're going to be meeting charlies all the time it'll be oh i'm sure
1: probably but it's like, you know, you you don't see that type of car until you buy that car and then you see it everywhere. Exactly.
2: There are so many realize. beige town and countries everywhere. Everywhere. And they're all named Charlie. I'm sure <laughs> that's what it feels like too. I'm trying I'm running through my my friends' dogs and pets, and I don't think any of my friends have it's like, a pet named Charlie.
0: Maybe it's a, maybe it's an Ontario thing. I don't know. I don't know. I have a
2: friend who used to have a dog named Kevin.
0: Kevin. That's Kevin so was a
2: great name. He was a he was a cheepoo. He was a chihuahua poodle mix. <laughs> he yeah, he was he was an interesting little beast. And now they have <laughs> I don't even know what Hunter is. He's huge, but
1: he's, it went the opposite uh, size of the uh, spectrum. Oh
2: yeah, no. And his name, their their current dog's name is Hunter George Bitehouse the Third.
0: Oh wow. Oh, cause cause Hunter is um is Biden's dog's name? I don't know. I think so.
2: I don't know why he... Yeah. And I'm like, so he's the third. Oh no, Hunter, no, Hunter
0: is Biden's, Biden's
2: son. <laughs> Not his dog. Right. I don't know. I'm like, but if he's the third, what happened to the other two? Mm-hmm. And I, the answer that I got was that's why he's the third is because it makes... It's a provocative question that way. And I'm like, oh, okay. Fair enough. Alrighty, then. Yeah, this dog is massive though. Like his hip... His back is like even with my hips. Like he's a big dog. <laughs> he's adorable though. But since Tim beat me about asking about the dog, because rude. Rude. I'm usually <laughs> the one who asks about the pets. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you something totally different. Cause right. Tim upset me now. You so for something
1: completely different.
2: Yes. In my research, and as is evidenced by your background, you like books. <laughs> it's it's a little bit obvious. Oh, yeah. a little bit. So I was going to ask if you were a fan of physical books, but I'm guessing that's also a yes.
0: Totally, 100%. I don't like to read. I mean, no no judgment, but I don't read on um, you know, whatever, Kindles or on
2: devices. Yeah. yeah. But do you what are your thoughts on audiobooks?
0: Audiobooks I think are wonderful. Uh if, personally, I don't really like listening to fiction in audiobooks Mm. doesn't it just doesn't do it for me it's too maybe fiction is too subjective maybe that's what it is and I I feel like uh having someone tell me what the characters sound like Mm. doesn't work for me but I I do listen to um non-fiction in audiobook because that is kind of yeah I don't know it's like a, a way that I like to learn in a way let's say um so yeah i i uh i think audiobooks are wonderful and i know some people kind of swear by them listen to them constantly and i think that's
1: <laughs> oh
0: that yeah
1: i mean i was I... listening to this today while i was mowing the lawn that's the uh lord of the rings as narrated by andy Serkis. he does all the voices oh cool. so that that's kind of cool um yeah, I mean,
2: like i am i am also i love books i much prefer physical media. I don't like reading on my tablet or on my phone. but I do have audiobooks as well, but that's typically the if I'm driving and I'm alone, I'll listen to a book. or okay. if it's the I really want to listen to this book, I really want to hear the story, but my kid keeps interrupting me mm-hmm. One headphone in can still listen to my book make sure she's not doing something that's gonna get her hurt. yeah like <laughs> so do you have a favorite series?
0: A favorite series, oh man that's tricky. I'm, um, big into, you know, earlier I was talking about that. I read a lot when I was younger and when I was a teenager, I read a ton of fantasy. That was my, that was my thing. That's kind of all I read as a teenager. And now, now I, I kind of read a little bit more all over the place, but, um, you know, uh, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is Mm -hmm. kind of always, a, a perennial favorite. And I recently started reading, um, Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Oh yeah. Which is so good. I read the first one years and years ago. And for whatever reason, I was like, I should read them in order, even though everyone says you don't have to read them in order. So eventually I found the second one at a used bookstore or something. And I just recently read it and I love it. And I just went out and bought like four more of them so I can continue reading them. Oh, nice. That's, oh, it's so good. Like if I could choose to have written something it would be the Discworld books. Oh yeah, like fantasy, but it's spoofing it. But it's but it but it's not. It's like also mm-hmm. solid fantasy on its own, and it's funny, and it's smart, and it's British. Those are all the things I want to be.
2: Mm.
0: Um, there you go. So, yeah, Discworld, I'd say. Um, pretty great series. And yeah. uh, um, So
2: with Hitchhiker's Guide, have you ever read Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul? Yes oh my word
0: i read it a a, a weird book yeah i read it a long time ago but i did i did read it and yes it was weird and um (laughs) and then there was uh a couple years ago i don't know if you ever saw the show they made out of um dirk gently Mm -hmm. yeah that was i love that show it was wacky but i'm like this is
1: my thing i'm into this all right dan so we we've reached the the phase in the show where we now present you with a silly question because as Kathleen likes to point out the rest of our questions have been oh so serious um but you can answer this as serious or silly as you would like yeah here we go what is a food combination that people eat that you just can't get behind for instance I know people who like to take uh their french fries and dip them into their Wendy's Frosties because
2: it's delicious I
1: I, yeah I just I can't Mm. My daughter likes to put ketchup on macaroni and cheese also cannot
2: also delicious
1: you that's,
0: yeah. that's so interesting how there's some things that you just take for granted are like the normal way to eat things like you were like fries and wendys. I'm like that's weird, and then you're like, ketchup and macaroni and cheese. I'm like, isn't that the way that it is eaten <laughs> like we just Especially i guess it depends like- on what we what we grow up with right but um, what do I find weird um hmm. Hmm. Uh I love sushi. I think that uh cream cheese in sushi, because that is one of the ways they make it, is w- gross. I don't like that.
2: That texture sounds wrong.
1: It's yeah. it's a filler it. piece that people put in there for it, where cheaper places, especially if you go to a buffet. Yeah. They they chalk it full of cream cheese. Yeah.
0: When I, when I order it, when I order uh sushi, I always say if it's like a party platter or whatever, I'm like, no cream cheese. We have an allergy. We don't have an allergy. I just don't want any of it, you know.
2: Yeah, Fair enough. Texture just sounds wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I'm not a huge sushi fan, and I, I don't, I don't like.
1: There's food. a there's a place I want to take my daughter to, oh, um, over by my in-laws' house, over by Lansing, Michigan, and uh, it's like 35 40 bucks a person, all you can eat sushi, and they make the sushi fresh in front of you at per order. Oh. And I'm like,
2: see that? I'm like, good.
1: I hope I'm like I hope you guys are prepared to lose some money because. I'm gonna eat you out of house and home. <laughs> I will eat your body weight in sushi. Let's do this. Yeah. So that's
0: not, that's not a lot for an all you can eat. That sounds no,
1: especially for something that's fresh made, you know. Mm-hmm, so I was like yeah. I was like, Yes, please. Yes, please. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think can't think d- of
2: any I can't think of any food combos that I'm like, oh that's gross.
1: Pepperoni and uh, uh, pineapple on pizza. Also delicious. Yeah.
0: I've come yeah. around on that I've come around on it. I used to think it was great. Yeah, I can't. I
1: I don't like the combination of the because I, I keep trying it because my my the rest of my family loves the Hawaiian style pizza, mm-hmm. and I can't get past the sweet of the pineapple and the tomato sauce together. It just something about that combination, the way it hits my palate. I'm just like, no, thank you.
2: See, and so. I think I like sweet and sour meatballs, and I think that that's part of the reason that I like. Hawaiian pizza pizza (laughs) is the I like the sweet and the savory
0: Mm
1: -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. I'm just now getting so much that I had them at my graduation party and at my wedding
1: and see and I'm just now getting to a point in life where I like sweet and sour sauce
2: Mm. so my wedding that also had macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets like that was the entree
0: that's good you know how to you know how to
1: make people happy
2: it was solid comfort food it was great
1: but were they dino nuggets where you could play with no. them and move them across the plate?
2: No, I <laughs> wanted dino nuggets, but those weren't the ones that they had available in the bulk quantities that we needed for the wedding.
1: Freaking jerks.
2: I <laughs> know, right? <laughs> and chocolate cake. I had chocolate cake at my wedding, which people also told me was not okay.
1: Jerks. It's, it's not their wedding, wedding it doesn't matter.
2: Right, yeah. my wedding, I can have chocolate cake if I want. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, now that we've talked about food and now I'm hungry again, Dan, thank you so much for being on our show with us today. <laughs> Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about you and your work? Uh,
0: um, Strange <laughs> New Worlds uh, premieres June 15th. That's tomorrow from the date of recording. Uh, June 15th on um, Paramount Plus and uh, Crave, if you're Canadian and want to watch it streaming. Uh, so that'll be a good thing to check out. I'm super excited about it. And otherwise I guess they could find me on Twitter. I don't know I pop in there sometimes um I think I'm just at Dan Janot um yes but uh, yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> but yeah otherwise you know just uh keep watching the show keep loving the show and we'll keep coming back um we are waiting to start filming the third season uh we haven't started. Because uh, writers are not getting paid fairly. So I say, yeah. um, anyone who's listening to this, support the writer's strike. Uh, everyone who makes these beautiful things should be compensated fairly, but especially the people without whom there's no story at all the right. writer. So absolutely. Um, support the writer's strike.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That is definitely the most acceptable reason to not be filming season three but also the worst reason
0: yeah exactly but it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and it's gonna be amazing and i am just really stoked to see uh how season two looks because i know it's got some amazing amazing episodes in there
1: i'm I'm anxious to start watching it tomorrow so
2: yeah well we will definitely link your twitter and guys seriously check out star trek strange new worlds do it
0: oh yeah it's so much fun. It's so and much
2: fun. I think it's want-
0: really worth noting to anyone who's, you know, maybe on the fence about Star Trek, like Tim, you used to be. Uh, I don't think that Strange New Worlds requires a whole lot of buy-in or whatever you call it. Like, you don't need to know very much. Every episode is fairly self-contained. It's um, Just a fun adventure every week. And if you do know the history of the characters, then there's always a kind of nice uh, through line for you. But it's a show you can totally just jump into to watch some fun sci-fi.
1: Absolutely agreed. I had very little uh, Trek knowledge to begin with. I I had some of the absolute basics down just because of being, you know, alive and <laughs> Trek being a thing. So, but yeah, you the the buy-in is very low, but the the payoff is great. So yeah, absolutely get into to Strange New Worlds and if you want to find out more about dan you can always use google google is free so uh trust me there's a ton of stuff out there that's how we stalked him i mean we did our research for dan uh for this uh, for this episode don't forget
2: our pretty bow Tim.
1: that's right the pretty bow of research so all right guys want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show to continue to grow to help us get more amazing guests like Dan Janot here to have uh, these fun conversations with and uh, funny moments for you guys to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps out well more than you'll never know and check out Dan's work as well. Whether you go back, look out, look at the stuff that he's done uh, years past or you sit down uh, tomorrow morning, June 15th and sit down and watch the awesomeness that will be strange new worlds season two. And uh, yeah, so check that out as well. And also you'll probably find some fun stuff from this episode on our Patreon channel. The behind the scenes and extra bonus content that may have gotten uh, not part of this episode. So you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> so Maybe, go there.
0: Uh, I took my shirt off.
1: Maybe. Maybe I kept mine on to not scare people with how white I am. So there's that.
2: But your camera if... could not handle that.
1: No, it couldn't. It would my, your cameras and your your monitors at home would burst into flames. But if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department, Arno Dorian from Assassin's Creed. Yeah, just give him one copy of your complaint to Arno, cause look, we hope that maybe he and his secret group of assassins will lose the note and uh, about our atrocities from behind this microphone and let us go about our day. Chances are that's not gonna happen. But if the complaint form makes their way to Arno and his friends, know that we will never see them coming, we will never hear them coming, and no one will ever hear from us again, because they're that effective. So be kind. Or just report Nick, because he's not here to defend himself today. Actually, I like that option. Let's go with that option. Go ahead and report Nick. Kathleen, you okay with that? It was all Nick's fault. Uh, All Nick's fault. fault. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, knock that out. Yeah, Dan agrees. So yeah, let's go with that. Nice
0: you. this is what happens when you're not here nick the bus <laughs> runneth thine over
1: exactly all right guys thank you so much that's gonna do it for uh, the fsf podcast today goodbye thank for
2: having me you guys thank you for being with us yeah
1: on behalf of the rest of the hosts of the fsf podcast we want to thank you for listening to this episode if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode please contact us by means of twitter or instagram using the handle at fsf podcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2023 FSF Podcast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF Podcast. The views expressed by the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpopcast.com. Original music by Jordan Michaels.